Hello. You are about to travel through the sixth dimension. In its fullness exists cinema entertainment that creates many forms, all while maintaining the same purpose, to tell and explore magnificent stories of the burden of existence. This is a dimension of imagination. Your hosts, Adam and Bailey, will do their best to guide you through vast perspectives in cinema that create new dimensions for all to admire. Welcome to AB Cinema. Hello, everyone. I'm Adam. And I'm Bailey. And welcome to AB Cinema, where today Bailey and I will discuss the latest news, rumors, and uh, movie, TV things, anything that we want to talk about. Um, I saw Jurassic World uh, the other day, and uh, it's pretty bad. (laughs) Yeah, we'll talk about that towards the end of the show. Yeah. Um, But other than that, we just have some news we'll jump into. So... um, one of the first big announcements today was Leia Sedu is joining Dune Part 2. Uh, Bailey, who will she be playing? She'll be playing Lady Margot. And so her role is essentially the Bene Gesserit sent her to Fade Rautha, who is played by Elvis's um, Austin Butler, to essentially seduce him to preserve his bloodline. So to bear his children and to keep the higher plans of the Bene Gesserit rolling. That's really all I know about the role. I I haven't gotten that far in the book, so I don't know much about her character. You haven't finished the book yet, Bailey? No. I started listening to the audiobook, and then I got distracted. I've got so many comics I'm reading right now that I gotta finish before I finish Dune. Yeah. I'm excited. I like Leia Seydoux. And so I'm excited to see her. Honestly, Dune Part 2 seems like it'll be pretty darn big with this with the amount of people that are cast in it and that should be returning it sounds like it'll just be an all-star cast honestly i i think this movie because i'm so sad it was released during the pandemic but i think that the movie itself has gotten enough backing from people who love the cinematography and the story and the actors and actresses i think that dune part two is going to be phenomenal yeah, I'm really pulling for it. Uh, moving on, the National Treasure TV show adds Jacob Vargas. Uh, for those unfamiliar with Jacob Vargas Bailey, what else was he in? Um, he was in Sons of Anarchy, which I've never seen before. I'm not familiar with this this actor particularly, but I'm I'm honestly I'm just kind of interested to see where they're going with the National Treasure franchise since they're they're bringing in different actors and actresses to take over and so i'm curious to know whether or not they're gonna base it off of real history like obviously national treasure is very it's a wide stretch of history but i'm curious to see how they're gonna continue it because the director of the original and the writer of the original were saying that they didn't do a third one because they wanted it to be more realistic and base it off of something that was important in the u.s history so i'm just curious to see what they're going to do with the show i have a hard time believing that's the reason they didn't do a third one but uh <laughs> i think the second one underperformed at the box office but i i'm i'm curious as well uh, a little disappointed we won't get the cage back but i mean at this point he's a little past this role 
but I'm excited to see what happens. I just want, I'm all for National Treasure, Uncharted, Indiana Jones. Like, I just like the idea of, you know, the history buffs and these things. But, like, Are you, you have sure to make you want it interesting. More Uncharted? Like, I'm saying, they, uh, they just need to be more like, like those little moments where they're piecing together the mystery or they're talking about the history and, like, then they kind of, like, you know, theorize and they make their own things about it. Like, that's super interesting to me. And, like, the last Uncharted movie didn't really do that. They had, like, a second of it, but then they, like, just keep moving into action. And so I'm, so this is what I want from a National Treasure TV show as well is, you know, make treasure hunting and the history about it cool. But, um, so we'll see. Again, I'm curious. Uh, Zoe Kravitz, who most people will know her now as she played Selena Kyle in The Batman this year, will star and produce in a super-powered heist movie titled The Sundance Kid Might Have Some Regrets. Bailey, what else do we know about this? So this is based on a short story titled Weird Sisters Lilac City Fairy Tales. And so this is just an interesting... I read the premise for it. It it follows two twin sisters, one with powers and the other without, who go down on this path leading to a bunch of heists. So bank robberies trying to take down big companies that do wrong. And one of the heists that they go on goes wrong, and the sister that doesn't have power starts to question whether or not she wants to continue down this life because she's 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 not invincible like her sister is. And so it's just trying to... Like it's it's gonna be an interesting story. There's really not much. I didn't read the short story, but I'm curious and intrigued based on the premise. What are your thoughts on it so far? I like this idea. It'll be exciting. I always wonder about people who star and produce in their own thing. You know, um, it's very hard to nail that. And I don't know that Zoe Kravitz thus far has like a repertoire where I'm like, you know, she's got the chops. So. I'm 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 curious at least. I'd wait to see a trailer before I give a real opinion, but um the premise sounds interesting, but I mean, again, I just I'm a little hesitant when, you know, we get people who are like write deruce write write produce direct star um in their own projects. So, um unless you're Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, in which case you write and star and then win Oscars for it. But for yeah, so we'll, that you do. <laughs> so yeah the Sundance kid might have some regrets is the title of the zoe kravitz film um in other news percy jackson added some more people to their cast uh i'll let bailey take the reins here so dior gajon has been cast as clarissa larue her biggest role is from the nickelodeon tv show are you afraid of the dark and then the hbo max original head of the class and then Olivia Morton was cast as Nancy Boba Fett. Yes, that does sound like Boba Fett. I thought the exact same thing, so you are not wrong if you thought it as well. Um, it just sounds like Taika Waititi saying Boba Fett. And she's been in no previous big roles. The biggest piece of news comes from Charlie Bushnell being cast as Luke Castell Luke Castellian. Castellan. I don't I can't remember how to pronounce his name. But he 
Charlie Bushnell was previously in Diary of a Future President, which I actually really enjoyed his role in that show. I did watch like the first season, and that's about all I will ever watch of that show. And it was only because it was like one of the first Disney Plus originals. So I was like, I gotta watch everything on Disney Plus. And so I really like him as an actor. I'm excited to see what he brings to this character because this character is going to be, he's going to have huge implications in the series. So that's, that's the biggest news. Um, do you, are you familiar with any of these actors? No. And what's even worse is that you named all of these characters and I'm so far removed from the Percy Jackson books that I can't recall who these people are. And so really, I'm just excited to see what Disney gives me and see what they do with the story. Like they could, I'm trying to think, the movies they made were bad. The movies were were just bad. And they were bad for a plethora of reasons. But even if this, you know, was a good show and it deviated from the book, I wouldn't be one of the people to be like, hey, that's not true to the book because I don't even know it anymore. So I'm just, I'm curious to see how they do it. And what they do with it. Yeah. I'm curious too. I'm I'm more excited than I am nervous. Mostly because the original author is still he's he's producing this with his wife. And so I think that they have a very heavy hand on how the production is going on this. And so I'm I trust it at this point. I trust that it will be at least better than the Percy Jackson movie. But I'm also worried because the audience for this show has grown up quite a bit. And so I'm curious to see how they're going to tackle that. Like, is this going to be like a Disney Plus show just with really good special effects? Or is it going to be a little bit more grown up with kid actors? And like, I, I'm curious to know if they're going to be taking the Harry Potter approach where these kids grow and the the genre that it portrays grows as each season goes on. Yeah. I'm curious about that as well. I and that's that is a good point you bring up is that, you know, really who is the target audience? Is it going to be the people who loved these books when they came out and read them, you know, as they came out? Um or will it be, you know, just another book adaptation aimed at, you know, young adults, aimed at, you know, people that could still read these books now? Uh, but perhaps weren't familiar with it at the time. Yeah, we'll just have to wait and see, but I'm intrigued and hopeful at this moment because Percy Jackson was my childhood. Yeah, and uh, the Hunger Games, the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes prequels, um, had an addition to their cast as well. Bailey, um, who was added here? I don't even know anymore. And they've just added so many. It's like every single time that there's a new announcement for this movie, it's like, here's some more tributes and mentors that they're adding to the cast. And so that's all that it was, was just a lot of, there weren't any really big names that stood out to me when I read the article, but it's just some more mentors and um, tributes that were cast. And so... um, be ready to not be attached to any of these characters. So yeah, we'll we'll prepare for that. And the we had some new news about the Thor Love and Thunder runtime. Bailey, how long will this movie be? Three hours, three and a half hours, like the Irishman? Oh gosh, I wish. Um <laughs> I would love to see Thor and Korg and 
Christian Bale's gore going at it for three hours just fighting about killing gods. Um, no, this movie is going to be an hour and 58 minutes. The significance behind this is that it's one of the shorter movies since Phase 2 has started. Um, or not Phase 2, since Phase 4 has started of the MCU. And so this is pretty big news that it's it's significantly shorter than what we've been getting recently because most movies have gone past the two-hour mark and have nearly reached three hours in some cases. So I'm th- this is relieving to me, honestly, because the original reported runtime was an hour and a half, which I thought was not enough time for a story like Gore the God Butcher. Like, you're going to have Christian Bale in this story and, and give him like zero screen time. So it's more relieving that it has a longer runtime, but I'm curious how they're going to tidy up a story within two hours. I know it's possible, but a scale of a story like Gore the God Butcher, it's it's going to be very impactful on the MCU. So we'll, I, I got my tickets finally. Um, I think... Regal finally was like, okay, this guy's probably not going to cancel the subscription, so let's just get it. Um, and so I got my tickets for Thor Love and Thunder for next week, the premiere, so I'm I'm very excited to see Christian Bale kill some gods. You know, I feel like you, this movie, and probably this this movie especially, I feel like it's really hard. It has to juggle two things, because it does have the task of being a comedy, yet also being like, you know, some epic film. And I feel like the runtime is a huge indicator of that because, you know, usually comedies never really skate over two hours. And I almost feel like you, you said it earlier. Most Marvel movies don't go beneath two hours. They're all long. And um, so I agree. I feel like this is somewhat relieving and I just love everything Taika does. So I'm all on board two hours, three hours, one hour, I'm there for it, and I I have faith in Taika. And he, I mean, if it's more than three hours, though, I, I'm gonna need an intermission. But uh, yeah, Thor: Love and Thunder, an hour and fifty eight minutes. Get your tickets now. Uh, Frozen three. Some some rumors here swirling about. So this isn't a rumor. Kristen Bell was interviewed on some talk show host, uh, late night talk show, and she somebody asked about Frozen three happening. And she said, yeah, it's happening. And Kristen Bell went on to talk about it a little bit more and was saying, it's not officially happening, but like Idina Menzel or however John Travolta pronounces her name, um, she she said that she's down for it. Josh Gad is down for it. Um, everybody is pretty much down for it. And so she said, essentially, why not let Frozen 3 happen? So take that as you will disney did not say frozen 3 is coming to theaters next year that did not happen i don't even think they have a story at this point but i'm curious to see where they would take this franchise did you ever see the second frozen yeah i did actually did you like it more or less than the first one or just not like it i i I wouldn't say i don't like them i just it's not like a complete compelling story to me you know i mean but they're good i really liked what's her song 
I really liked Elsa's song, not the big one, not Into the Unknown. Um, the Show Yourself. Something about that song touched the hearts. That was, me. Uh, I believe that was. Wait, no, that was hers. Yeah, that was a that was a Dina Menzel. I thought that was the uh, depression song that uh, Anna sang. No, I don't think so. That comes after. Yes, like right after that. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's great. It's good, like more Frozen. It'd give my kids something to watch, you know, or everybody's kids something to watch. So let's go Frozen. I'm ready for a switch from Encanto and Finding Dory and Turning Red. <laughs> yeah, but um, our last bit of news today, I don't know if anybody had been on uh, the interwebs yesterday, but uh, the Stranger Things Season 4 Volume 2 trailer dropped. Bailey, did you get a chance to check this out? What would you think of it? I did, and I fear for the kids in Hawkins. Like all of them, or thus the, you know, the our core that we've been following? Ooh, I I think the core that we've been following, the, the core kids in Hawkins, the... I, I fear something bad coming on. Like, honestly, I think we're going to get more than one death from our main cast that have been there for the last couple of years. And I I think we're going to, I for sure think we're going to get some closure on the Will, um, the Will Byers storyline, because there was a little snippet of that. Um, Eddie's going to have some fun playing some rock and roll. It looks It looks really good. I'm, but like I said, I'm fearful for what's gonna come, and Eleven's gonna hold her hand up like she's training some dinosaurs and bleed out of her nose, and I'm ready for it. Have you seen it yet? Yeah, I um, it does look epic. I mean, the army's getting involved. Someone, there's, there's. Still I don't in know Russia. if that's the army thing or if that's Russia storyline. Oh, I don't I don't even know. I just like, you know, I'm all on board. I just like I was watching a little bit of it and I was like, this seems pretty intense. You know, that shot of them all in that little pickup um, and that little RV. Um, but, you know, then like we cut to shots of them in Russia and it's like, great. We're still there. I'm but sick. Of, I, I'm so sick of that storyline. <laughs> it just needs to end. Yeah. But, you know, I'm excited. I I. I still think I don't know why they didn't just drop this with the rest of the season or just do it a week after. I don't know if they had some to finish some production or do, you know, whatever. But <coughs> I feel like the amount of time that's passed between the premiere and this has been too long. So it has. We still have like two weeks left, don't we? Or a week and a half. Yeah. It's too long. Yeah, the 1st of July, so we still have a week and a half. But yeah, so I'm excited. I want to see how this wraps up, and I I agree. I think and I think most people have been hinting, you know, or some of the cast have kind of hinted that maybe they will kill somebody off. I know um, Millie Bobby Brown said, you know, she wished it was more like Game of Thrones and that they, uh, you know, killed more of their characters off. So we'll see what happens here. But, yeah, I'm excited, and I'm anxious at the same time. Yeah, we'll just have to wait a week and a half to see. I'll I'll be watching all four hours of the last two episodes, the last two movies of Stranger Things Season 4. But uh, that's all the news that we have today. Is there anything else you wanted to add, Bailey? 
No, let's talk some dinosaurs, though. I, I'm, I'm ready to talk about Jurassic World Dominion. First off, what was your reaction to Jurassic World Dominion? The, full spoilers, by the way, so this is, a, this is our review reaction, albeit rather short. This is what Bailey and I took away from this movie. This movie promised so much, and it delivered so much, but it did not deliver it in a good way. And it was just, it was stuffed to the brim. It it was like, I felt like it was just saying, like, you know those kids? Those kids who, when they go to get a, a fountain drink at McDonald's, and they just get a little sip of every single one, and that's their drink? Like, they pour a little bit of Coca-Cola, Sprite, Powerade, and all of it is in there. I feel like that's what this movie is. It's just a big bottle of nasty, pathetic, gross drink. This movie was absolutely disappointing to me. I felt like, first of all, I'm tired of seeing every single character train dinosaurs like just squatting to the ground and holding their hand up like the dinosaur's just going to listen to them. Like, no, that dinosaur's going to eat your head off. I, I, I understand that Jurassic Park is really unrealistic. I get that. But the fact that, like, all of Owen's family can do it now and can train these dinosaurs just by squatting and saying, like, eyes on me, it's just really annoying to me. Then another thing that really disappointed me, Dr. Alan Grant was useless. He had no point in being there. He was essentially just the love interest for for Laura Dern's character. Those were my two biggest gripes of this film. What did you think of it, Adam? I walked out of the theater and I believe I texted you immediately and said, I believe this is the rise of Skywalker for the Jurassic Park franchise. And the best way to sum it up is really by what Dr. Malcolm says at some point, you know, he's talking about humans making dinosaurs and the nuclear bombs and all these things. And he says, we, we kept, you kept wondering about whether or not we could, we didn't stop to think whether or not we should. And, you know, it, he, it's almost like this mirror, this movie does a lot to like kind of mirror the original. Um, I just, yeah, I just don't understand it. Even like, the initial premise of the humans and the dinosaurs now coexist, it doesn't even last the whole movie. Like, they tack it on at the beginning and they tack it on at the end. This world was promising us to see dinosaurs in Vegas chewing off people's heads. And I wanted to see dinosaurs at Universal Studios. Like, I don't care about the ride. I actually want to see dinosaurs at Universal Studios. And dinosaurs in new york and we didn't get that we got it for the first like half of the movie and then it's like no we're gonna go to a remote location where there's dinosaurs that are in a sanctuary yeah their sanctuary is set up and and like and even the shots from the trailers where you know the raptors chasing through the streets and the and the t-rex you know or the it's not a t-rex i don't know what it is but that other dinosaur bites that guy off that bird scooter it's like that only happened because of the black market smuggling ring and they let them loose it's just you know the premise wasn't even there like they tease it and then they immediately forget about it um 
because essentially it just becomes the first Jurassic Park all over again where there's a there's a power outage and they need to go do, like the scene where Laura Dern has to go turn the power back off again. I was like, dude, if I see Samuel L. Jackson's arm sticking through a, a graded fence, this is going to be the exact same movie as the first one. But yeah, well, even just... with the the CEO and the the spitting dinosaurs, I don't remember their names. Um, but like that whole scene was like, okay, I see what you're doing there. You're killing off Tim Cook, the Apple CEO, and and this this is what you're doing. And like it was so on the nose of what they were trying to say. I felt like this movie was just very copy and paste of the original along with some political statements that they were trying to make, which that's not what Jurassic Park is. You know, I and that's that's what I was thinking. Because it's like if you want to see dinosaurs, like, cool, you can go watch this movie and you'll see a ton of dinosaurs. But, like, I was trying to wonder what makes the original so heralded. You know, it was a breakthrough in CGI. It was, you know, the blend of CGI and animatronics. But I feel like it was, like, the spectacle and the awe and the wonder. Like... I think one of the coolest scenes in this movie, and it happens very early on, is when um, the daughter's clones. What's her name again? I don't care. Maisie. That's what it is. <laughs> I still don't care. Maisie, which translates into I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> but when Maisie goes past the bridge and she goes to that little place where it's like a construction, it's like a lumber yard or something. And they like lure those dinosaurs away. Like to me, I was like that. That in a moment, for as however fleeting a moment, was like okay. This is what's cool about Jurassic Park. Like the dinosaurs are beautiful and they're majestic and they move slowly. And like the humans are trying to figure out how to interact with them. And then you abandon that plot altogether. But like just that wonder and spectacle. Like that's what I feel like made the original so good. Even if it, you know, kind of forgets the plot of the book or like the central themes of the book, which is what Ian Malcolm does, um, which is, you know, the chaos theory. Um, but like even the first one is just about like wonder and awe and appreciation, not just of like dinosaurs, but of like movies, I feel like, and of movie magic. And this one, I feel like to me, I felt like it robbed so many other movies of just like cool scenes and then just threw in dinosaurs because they could like the whole, uh, the whole time Owen and Bryce Dallas Howard's character, which I don't even remember her name are in, um, where are they? Where's that place? Malad. It's not Malad. <laughs> I don't know. It was like Greece. Yeah. The the whole time they're there, from the second the dinosaurs like get out and you know, I was like, like, this feels like a lesser version. Yeah, it's like, well, not even well, yeah, I mean, I guess if you want to go that way, but I was like, this feels like a lesser version of like a born identity chase or a mission impossible chase. And, you know, they just like ripped off these core movies but just threw in dinosaurs. And it's like these, it's like, I felt like it was like, this is a direct, like, for example, when Bryce Dallas Howard's characters running across the rooftops, 
I thought this is straight out of the Born Ultimatum, except she's running from a dinosaur and not trying to save uh, the other chick in that movie. But like, it's it was just so hard for me. Yeah, at least she wasn't wearing heels in that scene, though. But I, this movie, it like I said, it promised so much and delivered so much, but it delivered the wrong stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's why it was so disappointing to me. I'm not going to buy this movie when it comes out. I'll probably never watch it again. I'll just stick to the first one, and that's about it. Yeah, I agree. And that's the thing is that, like, the question is, is do we need a Jurassic Park franchise? Do we... Because I saw online somewhere, somebody's like, I don't understand how we only have one franchise about dinosaurs in modern times and it's Jurassic Park. Like, is there any other vein for, like, real exploration of stories there? Would it all have to pay homage? Would it all be, you know, tied back to Jurassic Park and they'd have to buy rights to it and stuff like that? I just don't... I just don't understand because it's not even like it's not even like I can complain about the dinosaurs because if you want to like what else are you going to do? They give you some sweet dinosaurs. That blind one's pretty dope. But like all the same, they have one kind of tense scene which was ruined by the trailer, one of them because in one of the earlier trailers I thought how is Bryce Dallas Bryce Dallas Howard's Bryce how is Miss Howard's character <laughs> surviving this raptor and then in another trailer i was like oh it's blind it's a new dinosaur i wish i didn't know that because then that scene could have been intense but um i mean it's yeah it's like i can't even complain about the dinosaurs it's just like the sub the plots beneath it are so uninteresting you know i told you that i fell asleep in this movie you did. What part do you think that I fell asleep in this movie during? Was it when they're... I'm I'm assuming it's when they're at the sanctuary. And was it when they started to get a tour? Did you no. fall asleep at the beginning? <laughs> <laughs> I honestly wish I did. I fell asleep during the chase scene in the Greece-like location. Uh, yeah. The Jason Bourne, Fast and Furious, Owen being a jack-of-all-trades. And, uh, yeah, that's when I fell asleep. Probably one of the intended most intense scenes of the movie. Yeah, which I, I still feel like that whole scene is just ripping off better movies. But with dinosaurs, mm-hmm. so. What grade would you give this? I'd probably give this one like a like a D, maybe. I mean, it's definitely not passing the class, but, like, at the same time, it's not the worst movie I've ever seen. I'd give it a D plus, and the plus is only because of Jeff Goldblum's character. Because <laughs> he was the only thing that kept me watching this movie and kept me from walking out of it. Like, the funny, and also, I, I laughed pretty hard because there's this family that brought, like, this tiny little kid who was crying, like, the whole time because he was scared. And then at the yeah. very end, there was only one person in our whole theater that clapped. And so I was like, yeah, this is a good call for me to come. Then I could laugh at these people and think like, oh, this is great. These people think this movie is actual cinema. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's like the deterioration of a franchise or the dismantling of a franchise 
in front of our eyes on screen. Like, I mean, no one has done it worse than Rise of Skywalker. But, like, in terms of big franchise movies, this is a second, you know? I think that Colin Trevorrow should have sticked to his guns and finished off the Star Wars franchise because what he had planned, this is a completely different pod, but what he had planned was 10 times better and actually followed, it made The Last Jedi a little bit more palatable to people and it would have been a great ending. But we'll we'll have to talk about the Trevorrow cut another day. Well, one of my favorite things is that uh, I saw on Letterboxd my favorite review was this is the fourth time I've let Colin Trevorrow poop in my mouth and I'm starting to think it's my fault. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, who knows? Is this Trevorrow's fault? Yeah, it's a different pod. But, you know, grading this movie, I'd give it a D just because dinosaurs and it's still not as bad as Rise of Skywalker to me. But, like, it's also hard for me to, to want to watch this movie again. D for in dinosaurs. Any capacity. Yeah, D for, <laughs> D for dinosaurs. Because that's D all plus for Dino me. Plus, baby. Subscribe now. But, uh, Bailey, is there anything else you wanted to cover? Anything else you wanted to go over today? No, I'm just excited to watch Obi-Wan Kenobi and Miss Marvel Episode 3. Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully its viewership pulls up. I know it was one of the lowest viewed MCU shows, so and which is sad because it's better than most of them. I was going to say, it's probably my favorite one. It's had my... Like, I've loved both of the first two episodes overall. And, like, most MCU shows, it's like, this episode was... I had a hard time even staying awake during it. Um, but this one, I've been staying awake. Um, even if I am watching it at 2 a.m., I'm still trying... I am have toothpicks in my eyes, keeping my eyes open. Well, that should do it for today's episode. Please remember to follow us on social media. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, Letterboxd, and Facebook. Um, you can email us. Our email is abcinema.pod at gmail.com. Reach out to us. Let us know what you think. Um, give us your reviews of these movies and just ideas, theories, things you'd want to hear us talk about. We'd love to hear from you. Um, please remember to like and subscribe to this podcast. Share it with your friends. And we hope everyone has a great day. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, keep watching movies.